Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Make Your Business Dance podcast. I am your host, Troy Adams, and today I have an incredible guest with me. And let me tell you about him for a second. His background in art and design has been a deep-seated passion for him as long as he can remember. After years in the advertising industry, working in web design and user experience with brands like Pepsi and Toyota and Visa and Mercedes, he knew it was time to take his creativity offline so he could get his hands dirty. And thus, his boutique design firm was born to serve planners with one-of-a-kind stationery and a unique brand for each client. He draws his inspiration from diverse clients such as fashion, architecture, interior design, film, and he regularly works with creatives on digital projects as well. He was recently named one of the most innovative people by BizBash in 2020 for his creative holistic approach to virtual events. And that same year was also a finalist for the NACE One Awards for Innovator of the Year. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited to have him here today. Please welcome owner of a good day, Jordan Kentris. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Troy. Insert, um, I'll insert crowd applause. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always really weird hearing those things written about you after and you're just like, yeah, I did all that. <laughs> yeah, man. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, and we were talking, obviously, before, before we hit the record button, you are up in Canada, right? Yes uh free <laughs> yes <laughs> we found out we have that uh somewhat in common as my my mother's canadian so awesome yeah yeah i love it a right good a you'll uh i'll drop a a lot in here. yes yes my grandfather used to tell uh, the the joke of he would say do you know how you spell canada and i'd say i don't know and he'd say c a n a d a sorry bad joke Oh good joke. I've scared off our listeners by now. Um, so Jordan, all right, today we're talking about attract your ideal client with the brands they love. Before we, you know, before we get into the nitty-gritty, tell me how did how do we come to this topic? How did you arrive there? What's your journey been? And what are you finding that that people are struggling with regarding that? So it's it's really, really interesting. I, I find that in the wedding industry, especially in, in events, a lot of times we always you might hear conversations around like your ideal client avatar, but coming from the world of advertising, our, our way of structuring a persona and understanding our clients is, is much more thorough. And so I'm trying to bring that lens of you know, super detailed understandings of who uses your business, how they find you, why they find you, what makes them tick, what makes them excited, you know, what services they look for and apply that to the world of kind of weddings and events so that we yeah. can start, you know, behaving in ways that we can get to our clients a lot faster, a lot better, a lot stronger, uh, and show up in ways that are really meaningful for them. Nice. Nice. No, I, I love it. I, I, I saw this topic. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to talk to you about it. Um, so I'm going to learn just as much of our, as, as our listeners today. So like, what's, what's a good place to start for people? Where, do, where do they begin identifying those bland, th- those brands that, that their clients love and that they're, you know, they're attracted to? So I, I do it in a couple of different ways. Uh, first off is as I'm kind of getting to know my clients, I do a little bit of like research. So obviously when we're talking to our clients, we get to know them a little bit. I just go a little bit deeper and I, I you know, start to see what, what bag they're showing up with at our, at our kind yeah. of like our consult. And what can, if I notice anything there, I also talk to them about, you know, what kind of things influence you? The one thing I've loved about the past couple of years is, in some ways, some things that I love, uh, yeah. is that you know we've gone remote, 
and you know, virtual consults, I get to see inside of my clients' houses. Yes. I get to see them in their environment where they're comfortable and they're casual. And I'm like, oh, that art piece is really cool. Who did that? Like, oh, you like a lot of color, but you know, dressing wise, you don't. And so we talk about a lot of different things, especially in the design space. And I, you know, will flat out ask them, you know, what do you like? What do you look for? And then I start to map that out on like a consensus perspective. So if I take a look at, you know, the 20 past clients, what brands are they shopping at of my ideal right. client? Like, where are they shopping? What are they doing? How are they behaving? And then I start to, you know, dive deeper into each of those brands so that I understand the headspace of our clients outside of what they're looking for from events. Nice. It, that's, I love that because as a, as a DJ, I, I always tell my team, for example, the beauty of social media is, is not to be a stalker, but, you know, follow your people, see what yeah. they love. What are they posting about? What's important to them and get that bigger picture. So absolutely. I love that. So Jordan, tell me why is market research so important in this process to trying to find our ideal client? I think it's it's really important because it allows us to really get into the headspace of our clients. The the cool thing with kind of going down that path is you get to see the way that those brands kind of behave, the, how they market themselves, how they kind of present themselves in the space, where they where they are on social, where they advertise, you know, or where are they showing up in TV shows and things like that. And that's the stuff that starts to influence our clients' behavior and patterns. And so by going down that path and really immersing yourselves in those worlds, you can really get into a lot of nuance that really fleshes out how your ideal client behaves, looks, shops, you know, consumes yeah. media. Well, and I think too, I feel like in today's world, there's so much noise that it's so it's, it's even more difficult to stand out. And so doing that and finding out that sphere of their of influence for, influence for them and, and their brands, other brands that they're involved with that, that makes you stand out that much more. Yeah, you you come across like you know them like intimately, like you get yeah. them, you understand them, you speak their language, and it becomes much easier from a selling perspective and a conversation perspective, even just a personality perspective, because you're just like, I get you, I know what you look for, I speak yeah. your language. And you're absolutely. like, Great, check. Let's do the thing we're gonna do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell me, tell me what are non-competing brands? So oftentimes during this this process of kind of figuring out your ideal client, we look at who our competitors are. And so for you as a DJ, you know, you would look at other DJs and be like, I'm being pitted up against them. Those are competitive brands. Yep. A non-competitive brand is something that is like things like a fashion brand, a furniture brand, a, you know, a manufacturer of a luxury water bottle, like whatever, gotcha. um, because they're not in competition with us. But again, our clients are consuming them. They're right. interacting with them. And so that's that space that looks around what they're doing and then how that influences them. Absolutely. Okay. It makes, that makes sense. What, tell me, I'm a big believer in the, the power of questions. What are some compelling questions that we should be asking to our clients to, to get them excited to work with us, to, to dig in about their life? This one's really fun for me because you can, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. I think some of my favorite ones are, you know, I actually like to start talking to my clients about things that are not event related at all. Like what is your favorite space to vacation? Yes. What, what do you like to do on Saturday mornings? You know, what, what kind of TV shows do you like? Because to me, that starts to give me an idea of who they are. And I'd imagine most definitely as a DJ, you get to know 
personality wise where they yes. start to resonate what kind of shows do they gravitate towards like do they like stranger things oh they must love yes. it they potentially like 80s kind of music and i can get that vibe or you know they like cartoons so they might like peppy poppy music like right. you can find ways of of nuance in there and really digging into the things that you can then start having conversations with them based on their answers on versus like what song do you want to hear at your wedding obviously great things to ask but right. that is a table stakes question yeah but if you come to them and say hey i know you love beetlejuice um so you know I think you merely might like this kind of vibe. What if we tried it this way? How do we want to interact with some of those things? And then they're like, holy cow, I never thought of those. Well, this is a really great conversation. So finding ways of, of building conversation through like, like interests and like patterns, I think is a really great way of starting those combos that are less table stakes. Yeah, they're 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 easy. They're easy. They're easy to ask. There, there's no tension there. There's no kind of d- dissolves a little bit of the the guard that they may have up. Um, and when you uh, have a client open up that way, they become more open to describing more things. So yes. if you're like, tell me about your day, and they're like, I literally have no idea. I'm working with my wedding planner. Like, they they it's a lot of processing. But if you're like, you know, where is your favorite? to vacation in the past 10 years you're just like allowing them to speak freely and you can really get them to open up to then have further conversations on you know what kind of songs you want to dance to what kind of things you want to do and then it can find ways of jogging memories and things like that that they don't feel like they're just being interviewed right well it's it's crazy i always find it crazy we have so many clients and prospective clients that will tell us I, you know, you guys are the first that have asked us about how we met and what our story was. And I'm thinking, seriously, and it's crazy. They, they just, you know, others are just going in for the, the hard sell questions. And right. I'm thinking, no, I want to know Tell me your budget. When is yeah. your <laughs> so the, now on a total tangent here, you've got like me pegged already because I'm, I'm like, man, I'm vibing with, I'm a stranger things guy. I'm a Beetlejuice guy. I'm like, all right. I like all these examples you're giving. <laughs> I mean, I, I just look around my office. So, like, I I collect um, alternative movie posters. Oh, uh, so I have like a whole bunch of them. And so, uh, finally, we moved into our house in May, and so I finally am able to put them up. And so, I'm seeing all my my influences out. And so that's why I'm like, I love it. I love to draw on. We're on the same vibe, then. We're on the yeah, same awesome. vibe. Love it. Um. So, all right. Tell me, what do you think? We you know we kind of teased this a little bit early on. What are people missing? What are wedding businesses missing in regard to finding their ideal client? Oftentimes, I think that we don't do enough research to understand who our ideal clients are. So we tend to think of them as you know extensions of ourselves or in like pure hypotheticals, where I'm like, this client has a budget of $25,000 for X. They, you know, they like the colors pink and blue and they use Instagram. And you're like, great, that means absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is where we're, that's what I find happens sometimes in the industry of just like, that's a great starting point. But the thing that's really, really important is to get to those, those nuances because you will attract people when you say things that are really resonant to them. So like, for example, I was redoing my website and I was really hesitant to put a lot of personality in it originally. And over the years, I'm like, no, it's all personality. So yeah. in my about page, 
I talk about my favorite musicians that I like, like movies that I like, whatever, because to me, honestly, the conversations I have with my clients now, I still talk to some brides from like four years ago because we both love drag race and we talk about drag race still because it's things that we have in common and, you know, I'm top of mind for them in different ways and referrals because we have things that we talk about socially. And those to me are the things that make them ideal clients because we get along, we vibe, we can have fun, we chat, we, you know, I'm just a part of their life in a way. And I'm not just a vendor and I'm not treated as a vendor because they respect my, my opinion and my guidance and my, you know, foresight. And so when we think of clients as, you know, relationships, and I'm not saying you have to be best friends with every client because that's not even physically possible half the time, (laughs) but like treat them as relationships and, you know, you're growing a relationship together and it's not just a transaction. That's what I like to think about when I think of an ideal client. It's like, what, what things can we, you know, correlate on, even if the client design, like for me as a designer, I work on projects that, you know, are not my, my design aesthetic, right? As people, we get along and that's the thing that matters. And I can design to whatever I need to design to, and I can, you know, knock it out of the park and they love it because I get them and I understand where they're coming from. So it's really about that to me is how crafting your ideal client is really about, you know, what does that perfect relationship look like? What are the things that are triggers for them? What things are, you know, how much do their parents influence things? How much does their family influence things? That stuff really matters because, you know, if you have to present to 12 people or get approval from a chain of things behind the scenes, having those conversations and setting them up for success is hugely important. (laughs) Well, I love what you said too about the people and the relationship versus, Hey, this might, this project might not be your exact vibe. I literally just told uh, an inner, an applicant yesterday to our team, Hey, you have to love way more than music. I said, because you're going to have to hear the wobble way more than you ever want to hear it. (laughs) And it can't be about the wobble. You have to get to the point where you look out in the crowd and you love seeing what's happening out there and the people engaging and then having fun with it and making it unique but it about being about the people, not the song. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite speakers uh, globally, his name is, is James Kane, And he does this a talk on establishing loyalty with, with clients. And he talks about what you just said, that it is about, we're expected to execute, but it's about the process and the relationship and the, and the journey, so to speak. So I absolutely, I love that. Um, do you have, has, did you ever find a time as you were digging and, and, and kind of, you know, doing this research on people that you found something crazy where are you, you found somebody like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this or that. I'd love to have a, a story if you've got one. Yeah. I mean, as I kind of dug into this, there, there's a really interesting mix of like high, low, I find in my clients um, kind of personality. So when I was like, I'm targeting luxury. I'm, you know, high-end customers are investing, you know, thousands of dollars in yep. invitations. I'm like, oh, they must love these, these brands. And they do love those brands. And then I also find out they shop at Target. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so there's an element of practicality in there, which I totally can respect. And so yeah. it's like, to me, that really opened up an interesting mindset of, okay, so what are things that are, you know, the table stakes basics that I can do really well and elevate it 
And then where do I want to invest in those kind of, in my case, I do like a lot of couture style details. So a lot of stuff is done by hand. Yeah. And so when a client appreciates those things, not every single thing I have to produce has to be at that level. And so it's about finding the balance uh, in there. And so that I'm not, you know, breaking my back, trying to overproduce and also over have a client over invest in something that may not be of value to them and have the pieces that are of value have really high impact. Right. But then also just realizing that sometimes something just needs to be there <laughs> because it's got to do something else for the guests. Yeah. Um, and so that to me was a really interesting dichotomy in the way that I understood my client. Cause it's not like they're just buying luxury brands. That's not it. They're, they actually are, are humans and they have nuance and they, you know, they like, like in and out burger and they like, and you're just <laughs> like, okay, I can work with that. Like I get the people because I like pizza and I also like, you know, caviar. Yes. <laughs> you're like, I get it. What, um, if there was kind of going back to a, a starting point, if somebody was trying to say, oh, okay, this is awesome. And this is super valuable. Where do I begin? What should I prioritize? Uh, as a, as a starting point, what's, what's a good starting point for them to, to begin this? The, the thing that I always recommend first off is like, take a look at like five of your favorite projects. Like, what does that look like? What were those clients? Like, what was their onboarding? Like, what was their discovery process? Like, as you got to know them, what were some of their favorite things? You know, how do they dress? How do they talk? How do they eat? Where do they travel of the things that you recall? Start noting that there and seeing if there are patterns, because if you're like, they're all over the place. That's really interesting, but you need to start seeing like, do they all love travel? Do they all love X? Do they all love Y? So that you can start to kind of find some nuance. So I think that is a really great starting point because it's easy. You know your clients, especially your favorite ones. You'll, you'll remember details about them. And as you dig deeper and deeper, you'll start to remember more and more. Um, so I think that is one of the easiest things because there's no you know financial investment in that. It's just a little bit of time, yeah. but it is an exciting prospect because you're you know you're digging back into your archives yeah um and then you know that can also spark things that you want to be asking new clients or some of your other clients that you're currently working with that you know maybe your favorites but aren't your favorites yet i'll, I'll leave you with this question because as, as i'm thinking about um our identifying our ideal client and the the process that it took me over the years I think back of the one that, that I should have walked away from and didn't. What advice do you have to listeners when that situation comes about? Or they, you know, in looking at their brands and their, their, their sphere of influence, maybe they find something where they're not sure. What advice would you have for somebody? Uh, so it's a little interesting, actually. So in, in, in like my ideal client, the document and the way that I talk to, to my clients about talking about this um, is actually to have their like don'ts. Yeah. So like it's weird to have an ideal client and then actually have the negatives in there, but it actually is really compelling to document it uh, in there. So like they do not do this. They do not do that. They do not, you know, the, in the case of, you know, some of my clients, you know, the mother is not involved in payment. <laughs> right. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, and that becomes a red flag immediately because, you know, for them, it's about dealing with the people or, you know, some of my, my planner clients, um, you know, the mother of the bride is actually the client. Right. And so we have a persona that is dedicated to the mother of the bride so that we can know exactly when a mother of the bride comes in, how to treat them differently than a bride coming in as the main right, client. Right. So, 
there are, are ways you can kind of compel and, and dice that up. Um, honestly, to your point, like watch those red flags. I can't even tell you how many times I've done it where I'm like, this is going to be a problem, but I'm like, eh, whatever. It's a, good, yeah, yes. it's a good paycheck. It's a good stepping stone. It's a whatever. And then I'm like, thousands of dollars later and yeah. I'm like drowning and I'm like, Oh God, why didn't I listen to my brain? Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like that's all part of the learning process too. Or yeah, certainly... Honestly, like I've been in the business for, I've been doing this for seven years going on eight and like what I started with is yeah. definitely not where I am now. And that's through a lot of trial and error. Like, you know, this didn't work. So brain never do that again. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so you start to kind of figure it out. But honestly, if someone would have told me not to do all those things at the beginning, I probably wouldn't have listened. I I needed to experience that failure. So for me, it's actually, I'm not afraid to fail. I just have to fail smartly. I have to like, I have to be able to take things away from it and move on so that I don't do it again. Because when I just fail and keep doing the same failure, you're just kind of like, well, why am I even bothering with that? Like, I'm just setting myself up for failure and stress and heartache and, you know, financial burden. <laughs> yeah. I'm told I'm, I'm pulling out that quote. If, uh, 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 wait, say it, say it again. I got to go back and play it back. Uh, it's okay to fail, but fail smartly. Is that what? Yeah. 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 I'm, that I love that. I love that. Well, and, and what you said too, as far as I love that you call out those for lack of a better word, red, red, you know, red flags or differences. Cause I'm such a big believer in having those upfront the, upfront conversations and setting expectations and calling those things out. So I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, if a client's going to be designing my design, they're not my person because then I'm not being trusted as a design expert. Right. It'd be like someone coming into you and literally handing you a iPod and said, play this. You're yes. Like, Why am I here? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so like, you're just like, that's not the vibe that we go for. We're not a, you know, plug and play DJ. Like, exactly. That's not your experience. So that becomes a, thank you. Maybe check these people out. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so Jordan, where can people keep the conversation going with you? Where, where can they find you? Cause I feel like this is something we could, we could talk at great length about. Uh, yeah. The, there's a couple of spaces. So our website, uh, a good day, Uh, and then Instagram, uh, is where I'm like most, um, at a good day Inc as well. So awesome. those two spaces and love to keep the combo going. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. I'm, I'm much more, I'm much smarter now. Uh, So thank (laughs) you so much. That was awesome. Uh, Thank you to our listeners for listening. If you want to take this or any topic further, you can find us at makeyourbusinessdance.com or on social media at make your business dance.